I'm Sabrina Petrofessa. And I'm Lily Rugo. And this is Earth's Mightiest Fangirls. End of Phase 2! Yeah, we're at the end of Phase 2 with uh, Ant-Man. Yay, 2015's Ant-Man. That was fun. It was a good time. Eh, I, yeah. I don't really like this movie. Oh, okay. Then let's uh, let's get into it. Speaking of getting into it, um, it came out in 2015. I have no idea who wrote and directed it, but I can pull it up. Pull it up right now. Please hold while we look things up. <laughs> Serena's dancing. Okay, so it was directed by Peyton Reed. It was written by Edgar Wright, Joe Cornish, uh, Adam McKay, and Paul Rudd got a credit in here. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't realize he helped write it. Yeah. I did hear one of the reviews was talking about how this movie was pitched to Disney slash Marvel in 2006 by um, Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright. And then when they tried to like plug it into the MCU, uh, the original writers left. So Adam McKay and Paul Rudd stepped in. (laughs) Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's They wanted to just like make this movie and now they and uh but then they wanted to like make it mcu so here we are that's interesting okay Mm -hmm. so for those of you who don't know um this is not a real summary of this movie but it's my summary of this movie ant-man is about a guy who gets to become a superhero even though there's a more qualified woman who can do the job instead yeah that's fair that's my uh, summary of this movie, which is really <laughs> just my beef with this entire film, is that Hope Pym is right there the entire time, and instead, Paul Rudd gets the suit. They address it half-heartedly, don't they, in the plot? It's basically like, her father doesn't want to put him, put his daughter in the suit. <sighs> Hank doesn't want to put Hope in the suit because... Her mom went subatomic and disappeared because she just kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Right. And then, like, presumably is dead. And so he doesn't want that to happen to her. Yes, because, like, yeah. that is probably something Hope would do given the situation. Like, <laughs> if the situation were to arise where she would need to go subatomic to be able to go through something, she would do it because it would save people. Right. Because Hope is a good person. Yes. But it's very frustrating to watch the movie. It is. And know that she can do this job. Scott does not need to be involved at all. But because Hank is just like, no, you can't get on the suit. I don't care. You can't get in the suit. I don't care that you're a grown adult woman who can make her own life choices. You're yeah. not going to get in the suit, and you're not going to defeat the evil dude. Like, shut up. I don't care. She could have done it. She could have. And she knows it. And that's her frustration throughout the entire movie. And I think, doesn't Scott at one point acknowledge that, like, she's better than him? More qualified than him? I don't know. Probably. I hope so. But, th- like, probably, they have a conversation in a car where... She's like, he doesn't love me or trust me. And he's like, of course he does. He doesn't want you in the suit because you could die. Like, trust me. That's like his way of showing you that he loves you. And I'm like, that, I don't care. (laughs) Uh, uh, No, I'm sorry. Don't. (sighs) It's very frustrating to watch that scene because I'm like, Paul. I mean, it's not even Paul, it's Scott. (laughs) Scott, stop agreeing with Hank. I don't care that Hank gave you the suit. I really don't care. 
Hope is more qualified. She's like, if she just put on the suit and did everything herself, literally, this movie would not have needed to exist. Yeah. Actually, no. Actually, no. The movie would have needed to exist, but it kind of would have been like Ocean's 8, where nothing went wrong. The whole heist gets pulled off and nothing goes wrong. And that yeah. that that would have been a movie that I would have liked to see. <laughs> Side note, let's play let's play a little game. Yes. Guess who's a Scientologist in the film? Like guess well, which actor is a Scientologist? Well, I know it's not Paul Rudd. Um Michael no. I was gonna say Michael Douglas, but I don't think so. Uh yeah. Louise? <laughs> It, no, it is though. What? It's Michael Pena. Oh, plot twist. He's he's a Scientologist. I've been watching a lot of Leah Remini's like Scientology uh, yeah. docu-series. And so I looked up like celebrities who are Scientologists because I had found out Elizabeth Moss is one a year ago. Oh. And I was like, what the hell? How could she be like in Handmaid's Tale and be a Scientologist? Whatever. Moving on. Fascinating. And then I looked down the list and I was like, Michael Pena, why do I know that name? I click it and I was like, <gasps> no, <laughs> Michael Pena, what are you doing? Fascinating. That is so strange. Yeah. I really was just joking around. Oh, boy. I know you were. That's why I wanted to play the game. I wanted to see who you would guess. That isn't... I actually thought it was like Michael Douglas or something for a second. Anyways. Wow. No, but it's Michael Pena. Fascinating. It's so hard to support Scientologists, but he does have the best role in the entire film. He really does. I I love Paul, Paul Rudd, and he is charming as anything and he can sell any movie at any time but the scene stealer truly is michael pena as uh louise his friend and co-conspirator yeah every time he's on screen he's just hysterical i love his intonation and like his speech patterns because it's just so funny it's one of the reviews i don't remember who it was but they described his character of just like the happiest guy to find himself in a superhero movie yes He's so on board with the what's going on, and it's really fun to watch. It's just joyful. It's a great scene when Scott shows like the crew what he can do, and they're just like, "Oh my god, oh my!" Like they're all freaking out, and then Scott is like on Louise's shoulder, and it's just like, "Now don't freak out. Look down at your shoulder," and he just screams and like, like. Go like puts his hand on his shoulder, like flicks him away. I was like miming that as if anyone else can see, but I was like, ah, you know. Um, but it's so funny. I love yeah. it. Yeah, he did such a good job. I'm glad he he was cast as it. It was yeah. It yeah no, he does a really good job. It just sucks that he's a Scientologist. <laughs> yeah, Scientology is the worst. Yeah, I kind it's of really... really hope. I kind of so I because I've been learning a lot about Scientology through Leah Remini. I kind of really hope that like Scientology somehow gets a hold of this podcast and then then says that I'm like a suppressive person, which is like their version of like a demon. All right. Like, like in person, like if you're someone who says Scientology is bad, they're like, you're a suppressive person. That means you're a terrible human being. Like you're dirt scum. Meh. Well, that's a goal. That's a goal. So I kind of hope that happens. All right, moving on. We're done with Scientology now. I'm going to stop talking about it. All right. But the uh, 
we'll we'll give the uh, Marvel. Actually, I'll just read the IMDb summary of this movie because while yours is right, it doesn't tell any of the uh, plot. I know, <laughs> but it's okay. There's a whole sequel that we'll uh, we can get into later about Evangeline Lilly. Okay. Ant-Man 2015, armed with a super suit with the astonishing ability to shrink in scale but increase in strength, cat burglar Scott Lang must embrace his inner hero and help his mentor, Dr. Hank Pym, and his daughter, Hope, plan and pull off a heist that will save the world. Okay, so he has a suit, it's cool, and he shrinks and changes his size. He can get really small or really big. Onwards with plot. Well, he doesn't get really big yet. Oh, that was later? My bad. Well, like, yeah, like in the comic books, yeah, his thing is getting really small and really big, but they haven't, like, done that in this movie. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, also, I love that this movie is carrying on with the tradition to just put Peggy Carter in things. Yeah, doesn't... Because it opens with a flashback. Is she... She's the director that? of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, I mean, I, okay, my bad. I know she was in it, but, like, I don't remember if, like, the movie opens with that, right? It Yeah, it opens yeah, yeah. with, like, Hank Pym storming in, like, really angry, and there's Peggy and Howard Stark and a third guy who, like, shows up in the rest of the movie, too, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't remember his name, and nor do I care. I think he might be Hydra. I don't know. Oh, right, right. And he's like... I just found out that you're trying to replicate my pim particles and how dare you and blah 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 and they're all like dude calm down like it's a really it's really cool science you're a soldier you're supposed to follow our orders blah 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 mm-hmm. and Hank gets really mad and just like quits on the spot <laughs> he's like well this is my resignation and like walks mm. off and the the Hydra guy is like we need to get that formula from him and Howard's like listen the only way Hank Pym is going to become an enemy of the state is if we actually label him one and then he'll fight back. Let's just mm-hmm. leave him alone. He's not going to give anyone the formula. Just leave him be. But, you know, I just loved seeing Peggy Carter. I kind of find it very interesting that we're like watching her age. So I it, it was a nice touch. I was glad to see them because we I've watched Agents and stuff and I've seen you know, most movies. I don't really know a whole lot about the founding of Shield, so I enjoy the flashbacks that we get to see of it. There is this um like little short kind of thing. You know how Marvel will sometimes mm. release shorts. There is like an Agent Carter one or a Peggy Carter one oh. where um she's working at the SSR and Bradley Whitford of all people is her boss <laughs> and is like you're only here because you're Captain America's sweetheart. And then she's there late at night and the phone rings and she's like, I'll take the job. Does it <laughs> successfully, comes back. And then everyone's mad, but she was like, well, no one was here. I was here. I did it. And no one mm-hmm. knew it was me. Like, <laughs> so, and then Howard shows up and is like, hey, do you want to start this like secret organization with me? And one of them says something about making sure it's called S.H.I.E.L.D. Nice. Yeah. I also, um, some of the reviews mentioned comic book lore. I didn't realize uh, Hank, yeah, it's Hank Pym, was the mm-hmm. one one of the founders who started the Avengers Initiative and named it. Oh. Apparently somewhere in the comics, Howard Pym names them the Avengers. Hank Pym? Hank. Is his name Hank? Doctor? Hank. It's Hank. Yeah. Okay, cool. I can't maybe imagine was... they would have a Howard Pym and a Howard Stark. Maybe it was his wife. Anyways, but it was one of the Pyms who... Uh, Hank was definitely one of the overseers of the Avengers Initiative. Maybe his wife was the one who gave him the name. Anyways. I mean, he's always been the original Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. 
But anyways, I was going to say the reason we're digressing so much from this movie is because there's not a whole lot to discuss about this movie. Like, I enjoyed this movie. I really did. I love Paul Rudd and I was ready for some fun and lightness after Ultron. And it was it was a good time. It was a good summer Marvel blockbuster. And then uh, and then I just went home. But the thing (laughs) is, yeah, so I saw it in 2015 and I literally never watched it again until today, the day that we are recording this, because I couldn't remember a whole lot about it. I did not watch it, but I've done the readings and I rewatched the trailers and stuff. And I don't feel like I missed a whole lot because I saw the sequel and I feel like I know I'm good. I'm covered. (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least with this one, um, it kind of gives us a chance to go into the little details. Like, (laughs) um, I love Cassie. I love his his daughter Mm -hmm. because of two, like her She doesn't have two lines, but she has two lines in the movie that I love the most. And um, one of them is like, Scott shows up to her birthday party. He's not invited (laughs) and gives her a present. And it's the ugliest, scariest looking bunny you've ever seen in your (laughs) life. And she's like, he's so ugly. I love it. (laughs) And kind of at first you're like, oh man, Scott's a bad dad. Another like bad dad trope. And then the second she's like, I love it. You're like, oh, no, he's a great dad. He knows (laughs) her exact weird tastes. Yeah, I do appreciate that because it's it is a trope, the estranged father. And you see that mirrored with Hank and Hope. But I thought Cassie and Paul Rudd pulled it off really well. Yeah, it's easy to be like annoyingly sweet and cute to cast or the daughter and I was prepared for that but I actually like I actually liked her I actually liked the kid which is rare I mean because usually they're kind of annoying but also you're usually not as present Mm -hmm. in films as she is I think yeah um which wasn't much at all but still um and then my second line that I like from her is like she's talking to her stepdad person and Mm. she's like are you are you like gonna find my daddy and he's like i'm trying i'm trying i just want to make sure that he's like safe you know and she's like i hope you don't find him (laughs) so she's just like great comic relief in a movie that is just kind of all comic relief yeah truly i did like the stepdad though it was very easy to make him the weird like hyper masculine threatening stepdad but he's really just like a nice affable good guy I like him, but I also don't like him, you know? Like, I I understand why he actually, like, is a good guy or whatever, and I don't... Mm -hmm. There's, like, nothing to hate about him. He just, like, Mm rubs me the wrong way. I just don't like the character. Yeah. He really is just kind of there. Yeah. That's probably why. Like, there's no significance to him. He's just kind of, like, there... Yeah, I guess just to show that, like, how his ex-wife moved on while he was... Oh, the other whole thing about Scott Lang, cat burglar, he was in prison, he's really good at stealing stuff. Well, I mean, he only stole one thing before he went to prison. He, uh, and it was a lot of money from a very rich corporation who was stealing money from people. Oh, he was Robin Hood. He was tech Robin Hood. He literally, like, broke in released all of their like bank records and then gave the money back to the people who Mm. were like robbed basically Mm -hmm. um like i think 
I don't remember. I know I just watched it. I literally watched this movie like a few hours ago, but I don't remember exactly the specifics, but I feel like it was something along the lines of like medication. Probably. Like, yeah. like something that people really, really needed and they were just selling it at like way too high a price. Right. That like, right. like the, what's his face? Scarelli. Yeah, Scarelli. Mm-hmm. But the most relatable part of this movie is when he's like, I have a master's degree in electrical engineering. I think I'm going fi- to have a fine job. Like, like it's going to be fine, me finding a job. And then it cuts to him, like, working in Baskin Robbins. I felt that. Yeah. Which, I mean, also true, he is a felon, so it's not easy for him to get jobs. Yeah. But also... But yeah. also, like, maybe we shouldn't be so tough on people who, like, served their time. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> also, this one takes place in uh, San Francisco, which I was kind of nice to get oh, out of New it? York. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's why heard... everything is so, like, hyper tech, bro, is because everything, it's all in SF. Oh, that makes sense. Because the, you know, the stepdad literally said SFPD, but I heard SSPD. So I was like, what <laughs> city is SS? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? I, like, I literally couldn't think of it. It was like, SSPD. Oh. And now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh, he said S-F-P-D. Yeah. Oh. It's a tough one to enunciate. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't like the, like, weird bashing of Starks in this movie. Because <laughs> the very um, first thing that Scott does when he finds out about this, he's like, I think we should call the Avengers. <laughs> and Hank is like, no, I've spent my entire life trying to keep this tech out of out of a Stark's hand. I'm not going to just hand it to him. And I was like, first of all, <laughs> Howard is not Tony. <laughs> Second of all, I hate you. Because <laughs> then he was like, this isn't like some cute Iron Man suit. And I was like, did you just call Iron Man suit cute? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's very, yeah, it's very tongue in cheek about the Avengers. And also they're still, I guess, universe-wise, reeling from Sokovia. Yeah, he does make, like, a a comment about how the Avengers are probably too busy dropping cities. Yeah, so, like, that's a valid critique. You can, yeah, you can definitely tell Hank holds grudges for too long. Against someone's son. (laughs) He's like Snape. (laughs) Oh, dear lord, yes, yeah. Because, like, Snape held a grudge against Harry for being James Potter's son. And now Hank is holding a grudge against Tony for being Howard Stark's son. I see the similarity there, you know? Like, also another great scene is um, Scott realizing that he's not, yeah, Scott. I don't know why I was just like, that's not his name. Yes, it is. Because um, you think it's Paul Rudd. Yeah. You look at you look at him and you're just like, I don't know what your character's name is. You're Paul Rudd. Yeah. But it's when he's like dropping down and they think it's just like a Stark warehouse, but it's actually like the Avengers oh, facility. Oh, the upstate New York base. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's actually the Avengers facility. He goes, he goes like, guys, what the hell? I thought you said this was an abandoned warehouse. <laughs> and then the fight with Falcon ensues. Appreciate the uh, the Falcon uh, cameo. Is that a cameo? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit I of, like that. It's a long cameo, but it's a cameo. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's a good one. And it's a funny fight because Sam can actually see him because of his high-tech goggles that, like, Tony probably made. <laughs> um... Listen, I don't know why I'm all, like, for Tony Stark right now. Tony Stark Defense Club. Yeah, like, defense squad right here. Uh, (laughs) It's, like, a really, really funny scene, and the only reason Scout wins is because he goes into Falcon's, like, jetpack and messes with him. And it literally ends with him just going, it's really important to me that Cap never knows this happened. 
<laughs> and it's such a Sam line too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Always appreciate a Sam a Sam cameo. It's just a very it's a very fun scene, and I just really like Sam Wilson, so I'm really glad that he showed up. Also, speaking of weird cameos, I never expected in a million years that when I saw this in theaters that all of a sudden I would see Anna Akana's face on the screen. I knew she was in it because she went talking about that she she went to like to the premiere and she uh, like once her NDA was allowed to do all this and she yeah, she went to the premiere and she's like, I can't wait for y'all to see Ant-Man and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, wow, where is she? And then she just swooped in in the last scene. I loved it. I'm really happy for Anna. Well, so... Like, in 2015, I think I was still really big in YouTube. I'm not really anymore. Um, But I think I had just, like, started discovering Anna Akana. And then so I went to see the movie. And then all of a sudden I saw her on screen and I was like, what? What are you you doing here? And then I immediately left. And if you, like, go far enough on my Twitter to 2015, (laughs) you'll see that I tweeted. I was like, like, what the hell? Why didn't anyone tell me that Anna Akana is in this movie? What the hell? It was really funny. I'm really happy for it. Speaking of, Anna Akana is um, independent creator. YouTube, she started as a YouTuber, but she's kind of gone a little bit more than just like the, hey guys, YouTuber. Uh, very talented. She still is funny. a, hey guys, YouTuber though. Oh yeah. I, I also have fallen off the YouTube train, but yeah. very talented. Would recommend looking her up. Yeah. I really, I really like her videos. I just don't, my, my time spent on YouTube is often just rewatching episodes of Kitchen Nightmares. Honestly, she, Anna Akana is one of those uh, YouTubers that is very consistent with her content. So like if you're two weeks behind, then just like <laughs> you're super behind. Yeah. Yeah. She is also Asian, by the way. I feel like oh, yes. that is like very important to note. Like she's a very successful Asian creator. Yes. And then there was that Stan Lee. There was a little bit of Stan Lee. He was the what was like. What cameo? It was during the like Anna Akana scenes because Louise's boy was like on a date with her. Right. And he, he like even was like. He went to the bartender, um, and the bartender was Stanley. Nice. That is a late Stanley cameo. That's interesting. Not the latest, but it is a late one. Wait, who's the latest? Upcoming. Oh, okay. No, actually, it's not that late because he he shows up at the way end of um, Avengers, like the first one. Oh, okay. Remember, he's like part of the people that they interview about the the incident, oh. and he's like superheroes in new york forget about it that is a late cameo yeah it's really weird we're 25 minutes in and i kind of have nothing left to say about ant-man i know it's like watch it it's a good movie night movie there you go because it's like a fun movie Mm -hmm. and you know whatever and like their villain isn't super compelling no it's tech bro he is just sf tech bro yeah and he just wants to like replicate the serum so that he can sell it to whoever wants it the the like yellow jacket suit that he makes is um powered by his serum so he's like i'm gonna make money off of selling you the serum like i don't care about the suits the serum is where it's at mm-hmm. like that kind of thing and and the reason why he's going like he's so evil now is because he doesn't have like a brain chemistry regulator, so the shrinking oh. is like affecting him. Oh, I forgot about that. Okay. Which actually doesn't make sense because they were saying that, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't figure out how to shrink like bio material 
mm. until like halfway through the movie. But he's always oh. been evil for yeah. most for the entire movie. So I'm right. like, I don't. Are you just making excuses for him? That doesn't make sense. Maybe it enhanced was already innate. I don't know. I don't um, know. But they were testing it out on like lamb and like to see if they could shrink biomaterial and their their test subjects were lambs and i was like i was like see i know that most people are gonna be like oh it's so cute you can't kill it and i'm like i really like eating lamb so i don't really care yeah lamb is good y'all it's tasty sorry (laughs) but like like they they picked an animal that like i eat Mm -hmm. so i kind of didn't care like it was yes the lamb was really cute and i didn't Mm want to see turned into like a puddle of gooey bloody things oh, yeah. but at the same time i was like like kind of what i was thinking I was like well that was just a waste of good meat <laughs> like you could have had a nice lamb chop with that which is this is derailed completely this is most of this episode yeah um, the one thing my favorite part about the ant-man franchise uh, is the special effects i thought the cinematography and yes. the editing of this was good because the whole thing is based around like shrinking and growing objects and stuff like that they can have a lot of fun with that and i it was good to watch like the final fight between paul rudd and yellow jacket takes place on cassie's train set because he's trying to like threaten his daughter so it's in her room and it's great it's intense and really funny at the same time also the damage is so minimal in this movie because so much of the fighting is happening on like a small scale oh can we talk about that gross giant ant yeah, there's a lot of... If you have a thing about disliking bugs, I can't recommend Ant-Man because there are some big old bugs. I dislike bugs so much. <laughs> but, like, ants are, like, weirdly, like... I, you know, like, I dislike ants, but at the same time, it, like, was fine. Like, if mm-hmm. they enlarged giant spider, then I would be really freaking out. But um, it was mostly fine in this movie. But, like... <laughs> I don't even know. They during the final fight, they they made an ant really big, and then it walks out the house, and then someone was like, "That was a really messed up looking dog." <laughs> I was like, "You're stupid, but okay." <laughs> and then the whole fight sort of made me start thinking about like insurance companies. Like, what do you do? You make a claim for that kind of thing? Like, superhero fight happened in my daughter's oh. bedroom. I feel like. In, I would like to believe that at some point in the MCU, someone, like, especially after what happened, the incident in New York, someone was just like, I bet we could make a lot of money being superhero insurance people. Yeah. Because this is a regular occurrence. Like, we just saw the Avengers pick up and drop a city. Maybe not. I feel like this could be something that would exist in the MCU. I really hope it does. Because I know that Stark goes in and, like, pays for city damages, but... I'd like to believe there's superhero insurance. Yeah. Well, so there's actually like a DC TV show about this that Vanessa like, got Hudgens. canceled. It got canceled like partway through its first season, but it was so funny. <laughs> it was like literally about this, yeah. about like an insurance company who lives in the DC world and they're like, they have to, they, they make like products to protect people from yeah. like whatever they may encounter if like someone decides to destroy the city that day (laughs) yeah they had like an umbrella for falling debris or something like that yeah yeah i missed that show that was a good show it was funny (laughs) i don't remember what it's called now because it got canceled like two years ago but it was really funny i don't know but their their like entrance 
their uh, theme entrance song whatever it was like superheroes doing whatever and then it would zoom into the background it'd be one of the characters like yeah it like was like comic book style like drawn like comic book style and then they were like fighting and then it would just like zoom in on the background and it's just like a character who's just like (laughs) cowering from the fight that's happening (laughs) it sounds like a really good concept i'm sad they weren't able to give time to pull it off yeah um, anyway, I'm still so mad. Ant-Man. I'm still mad at Ant-Man. I just really don't like this movie. Like, it's a fine movie, but at the same time, like, there's nothing much to say about it. Like, I have no strong opinions. It just, like, follows a very specific procedure. You know, like, it, there's nothing about it that is doing anyth- anything interesting other than, like, the characters. The characters are interesting, is it really the characters or is it just the actors? Because, again, Paul Rudd can sell anything. Evangeline Lilly is very talented. I loved her as Hope. And I thought the Michael Douglas as Hank was good. So is it the characters or is it just more perfect Marvel casting? Probably a little bit of both. Like, you're saying yeah. that Paul Rudd had something to do with writing. So maybe, like, it's probably a little bit of both. Like, the acting was really good. The mm-hmm. the characters are are compelling and... But at the same time, like, those are the only things that drive it. And also the other things that drive it are, like, the little moments. It's like, oh, I really liked that small moment in this scene with Cassie and and, uh, Scott. And I really like this small moment over here at this point and blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's nothing in the movie that makes me think, like, oh, something horrible is going to go wrong, like, right now or... Mm. Not even yeah. that. It's like, I just, I had no fear of the villain. I had no fear yeah. for anyone's safety or their lives. There was just like, no, no stakes. No stakes. That's true. That's a good way to put Ant-Man. Because it was, yeah, a lot of it was just talking about the reviews I read were just how it was just such a nice levity break. Because even Guardians brought that to the MCU at this point. But even that kind of got, you know, heavy and you were worried about the stakes at hand. And then Ant-Man really was just a ride. You bring your kids to it because you know guardians had some swearing and some adult themes but they could ant-man is a no-brainer and i don't have much to say about it and it's and it's a shame because it's like a pretty good movie but again Mm -hmm. we're about 30 minutes into this episode and we're kind of done we're kind of done talking like i don't really have much else to say about ant-man yeah i feel like ant-man's not gonna get interesting until uh the second it's sequel until Evangeline Lilly gets to do more than just stand on the sidelines because that scene where Darren is about to shoot her dad and she's like, oh, hell no. And then she fights. She actually, like, does something yeah. proactive. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, again, why is she not in the suit? And I had a friend who was like, they explained why she wasn't in the suit. They needed her around to, like, make sure that Darren like wasn't suspicious and to that i say that didn't have to be their plan though yeah no i i understand like the emotional reason of why hank didn't want his daughter in the suit and like i'll just go with that but the whole like we need to keep up with the plan that's not a good reason it didn't need to be that specific plan it could have been a different version of that plan where Mm -hmm. she could go in also she knows his schedule she could have known when to go in grab the thing and leave 
She also has access to the building. She can take down the lights, whatever. Also, if their plan at the end of the day was to just destroy the entire building, which is what they did, they mm-hmm. had it like collapse in on itself. If that was their plan, who cares about security feeds because they're not going to exist anymore? Yeah. So there, there are some reasons why it's not hope in the soup, but they're not good ones. They're not. They're not compelling enough. And it's just like... Yeah. You just go with it because that's how the movie's just going to go. Yeah. Just, because Scott there. Lang is Ant-Man, so he has to be Ant-Man. But at the same time, I completely agree with Hope and that they never needed that man in the first place. Because he learns yeah. how to use the suit in like three days, but she's probably known how to use the suit all her life. Yeah. Yeah, some form of it. I mean, like, I guess the, like, shrinking and the the growing part might be something, but she was, like, rolling her eyes at him when he was trying to, like, run at a door and then go through the keyhole. Oh, yeah, that was funny. To, like, be big, small, big. And she's, like, rolling her eyes at him as if she knows how to do it. So I feel Mm -hmm. like Hank at least probably showed her how to work the suit, so in case she ever needed to get the suit on, she could. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. So yeah. she should have just been doing this the entire time. I don't understand why she didn't just steal it and, like, do it herself. She knew where it was. She knew where it was. She could have just, like, gone and gotten it and left and, like, done it herself. So whatever. Anyways, don't worry. There's a whole... I'm not talking to you specifically, but whoever's listening, don't worry. There's a whole sequel that's going to be much more lively because it's actually good. <laughs> I... I enjoyed, I, I liked Ant-Man, but I really enjoyed Ant-Man on the Wasp. But unfortunately, that, that's, that's, that's for another episode. Yeah. And um, I just have no opinions other than... Uh, you, have, you have some very strong opinions. I have some Let's very get into the strong negative scene, opinions. Okay, first post-credit scene is actually the only part of the movie that I like. It's, <laughs> it's Hank Pym showing her, showing Hope the wasp outfit which makes us realize okay the next movie is going to be about the wasp but but why didn't you give her that suit this time around like that that's still like my thing oh i thought he was explaining that it was in development no well she said he said something along the lines of like i was working with this suit with your mother it was supposed to be her like another oh. version of her suit but now i realize that we were building the suit for you but like who cares if you had the suit there the entire time why didn't you give that to her yeah. Still mad. Whatever. Moving on to the second... I don't know. Do you have opinions on that? No, I mean, I thought it was just your standard sequel setup, and I enjoyed it. And I was glad to see her finally get her own suit, which is also... It looked better. It's better than the Ant-Man suit. So I'm happy. It has wings. And then the second post credit scene, I think you have more opinions on than I do. I straight forgot this existed. I'm not... Like, I'm not a rookie to the MCU, but I'm part of me is wondering, did I just get up and leave before this scene happened? Because I don't remember it. And I found it on YouTube and I watched it again for reference before we recorded, but like... Yeah. So the scene is, um, you see, like, Bucky tied to something and you're like, oh, damn, Bucky, they find him. And then, like, Cap and Sam, like, are, like, the, the, like, view of the screen, like, gets bigger or whatever. I don't know, Mm -hmm. technical terms. And, um, Sam and Cap are just, like, standing there and they're, like, looking at Bucky and then they say something about like calling in Tony and then one of them is like who knows if the accords will even let him help us and then Sam's like well I know a guy 
referencing Ant-Man. Because his, uh, his arm, Bucky's arm is in, like, viced in this big old machine. So he, that's how he's immobilized, is he can't, he can't get out. So it's, uh, my, I thought it was implied that Ant-Man was gonna come, trick himself down, loosen up the machine, and then they would all just be on their way. Oh, well, I don't really think I paid much of attention to how... Bucky was there. I mean, I think when I first saw the scene, I was like, oh my God, they found Bucky. And then my brain was like, oh my God, like what, what, what's happening? This must be civil war. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause that's the next movie that would involve those characters yeah. is the next one coming would be civil war. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then, um, I never thought that like they needed Scott to like come in to free him from that machine. <laughs> I mean, why else would they be like, oh, I know a guy. I mean, I know now why they would need to say that, but I'm not going to tell because that we'll get... involves civil war. So we'll get into that later. Yeah. But yeah, so that was an interesting post credit scene. Yeah, I actually thought it was like a scene to set up civil war or something like like an in-between because that's what usually these scenes are. So I was like, right. oh my gosh, this is definitely like they find him and then civil war is going to be about like bringing Bucky back into the fold or something like I yeah had no idea but those were just yeah. like my theories at the time yeah how much was out about Civil War I don't at that remember point? I don't remember I don't think there was a lot yeah we just knew it was happening and I think uh someone mentioned that one of the reviews mentioned that they thought that uh the some of the punch was taken out of this post credit scene of tying of like introducing ant-man was also going to be in civil war because they had pr had beaten the movie to the punch and announced that paul rudd was going to be in civil war so they were like ah pr pr took away some of the uh the movie hype Mm. (laughs) which i think that's true there was a lot of um civil war i think announcements that like you didn't know who was going to be in civil war and then you found out like oh everyone's going to be in civil war yeah basically basically yeah. but you know this that's a conversation for another time I know, we're doing so poorly talking about ant-man yeah we talked about everything but because we just don't like this movie i'm sorry like it, if you have similar opinions to us let us know but if you <laughs> have strong opinions about why you love ant-man i guess let us know about that too but um i guess until yeah. then i think we're done right yeah like i mean i stand by ant-man but I, it's not one that I'm like, I mean, here we are. I'm also, I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> I, I'm literally never going to watch it again because okay. I don't want to because I have no, not that I have no love for it, but there's like nothing that drives me to watch it again. That's fair. It's one of those movies that I feel like I could put on when I was, ba- I'm babysitting my nephew and be just like, child, watch the superhero movie. Yes. <laughs> That's the Ant-Man movie. Or as I like to describe it, Ant-Man is family friendly Deadpool. Yeah. Yes, that's a good description, honestly. Mm-hmm. Except he doesn't break the fourth wall, which is quintessential Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but other than that, I guess uh, we'll be with you till the end of the line. Yeah, sorry for the shorter episode. That's fine. So we will not <laughs> be coming to you next week. We With the end of phase two, we're going to be taking a pretty not all pretty large but like a hiatus we're gonna take a pretty large hiatus we'll definitely be back after thanksgiving but um we're not sure the specific date yet i'm actually moving countries yes so i'm headed off to uh thailand to teach english for about a year Mm. so in 
our break, we have to figure out how to record from different countries and completely different time zones and the whole shebang. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a ride. So we'll post updates on Twitter about how uh, that situation's going. But we also are just gonna take a break. I'll probably watch all of the defenders while we're on break. Yes, please do that. <laughs> or at least um, most of the defenders. Yeah. Just just finish season one of Daredevil. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll come back at you at the uh, the end of November, hopefully. Yes. Our days may change and we might actually be posting a little less often, but mm-hmm. we we will be coming back. I promise you that. We're yes. not the fanfic writers <laughs> who don't finish their fics. We're, we're going to come back, I promise you. We have a whole MCU and we're going to see it through. So thank you for sticking with us this long. If you have been sticking with us, we appreciate that. Yeah. Um, also, you know, follow us on Twitter. I'm at the Sabrina Pet. Lily's at Lily underscore Rugo, and follow the podcast at EM Fangirls, and that's where you'll get, you know, our updates on when we're going to be posting again, and um, you know, check out our website, EarthsMightiestFangirls.com. Thank you to Dexter Britton for letting us use their music Wonderland, and thanks to us for editing and producing, which we're now about to do internationally, super internationally. But uh, yeah. See you guys, see you guys in a, in a few.